Welcome to my dad's podcast, My Blackest Challenge National, Season 3. You can find us on anywhere you like to listen to good podcasts. Follow us on Instagram or Facebook. Hope you enjoy the show. Bye. Hello, everyone. You are listening to My Black is Transnational. My name is Dr. Kalechi Bay Lambert, and coming up on today's episode, I get into a really, really good conversation with our special guest, Mr. Temitayo Adeoshifogun, who joins us to talk about his faith and talk about some of his entrepreneurial ideas, but how it is all rooted in his faith. Um, so we titled this episode, Keeping Faith in Regular People. So that should be a fun one. Uh, but first, let's go through our formalities. This is your first time listening to my Blackest Transnational. Please subscribe to this podcast. You can find it on any of your favorite podcast listening apps, Apple, Google, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you would like to listen to good podcasts. Please take a couple of minutes to subscribe to the podcast. This is season three. So if you want to binge, you can check out season two and season one on any of those aforementioned podcast platforms to really catch up or just listen to a variety of episodes. We have tons of amazing guests, tons of amazing topics that focus on transnationalism, that focus on health, that focus on the black community, that focus on wellness and welfare. So many important topics that we cover and so many more that we will cover as we move along. Uh, so you can find us on social media at Black Transnational Podcast. You can find me on Instagram at Black Transnational underscore. Check us out on Facebook at Black Transnational Podcast as well. And then you can also check out our website at www.blacktransnational.wixsite.com slash podcast. Hoping that we at some point will change the domain really soon. So look out for that as well. All right. And then you can email us at blacktransnational17 at gmail.com. All right. So that covers that covers how you can reach us. Um now, you know, for this conversation that I have with our guest, it was a very interesting one. And, you know, it kind of bordered or teethered the line of just real life issues and spirituality. And, you know, so I've known Temi Tayo since he was a freshman at the University of Illinois. And to witness his growth as, you know, as a young man to the person that he is now has been uh, beyond um, amazing. And he joins me to talk about his his growth and his experiences and his life story as to how he was inspired to create um, his various brands. One is Sincerely Richard, which is a fashion um, a fashion company that focuses on connecting people to various black owned fashion fashion labels. The next thing is Regular People, which is his other um venture that focuses on really bringing people towards uh, Christ uh, and his strong faith in in God and Christ is really shown and um, emulated in the in the spirit of this particular um, this particular um, movement that he like that he named and, and, and the, the community that he's building through there uh, so we get into a very very um, open conversation just about what it's like you know from growing up, um, in as a as an African immigrant uh, born in London, and you know having African parents and being raised in America, and trying to find himself and trying to then you know not just find himself as uh, as a person as an American who with all these diverse backgrounds, but then also finding himself as far as his religion and his spirituality and really building that relationship with God. So we really get into that type of conversation. And although typically this podcast does not necessarily um, use, does, we, we're not a religious podcast per se, but we're definitely open and and we, we allow ourselves to have real conversations about the things that matter most to us. And spirituality is very part of our culture. It's a main part of our culture. And whatever religious beliefs we have plays a major role in, in what drives us as individuals, as black people in our community. We understand what spirituality means in the black community, transnational or not. So, you know, we get into a really, really, really dope conversation that I hope you all 
enjoy. And um, I know that I enjoyed it. And again, uh, I hope that, you know, we can get some feedback from you. So if you do like what you hear, please make sure to, to rate and review the podcast, you know, like put some feedback, let us know what you think about it. But I really do hope that you all enjoy the conversation. So with that being said, without any further ado, here's my conversation with Mr. Timmy Tayo Ade Oshifogun. Enjoy. Hello, everyone. You're listening to my Blackest Transnational. And today's guest is one of the good people's man in my life. Um, very, very glad to have him on as a man of man of many clots. And I say that literally. Um, it's it's uh, when it comes to him being a fashionista uh, in, in regards to his passion and, and, and just fine attire. Um, and he's also a man of, a man of the cloth when we talk about spirituality and, and, and being close to God. And I, we're going to get into a really good conversation with a good brother of mine, uh, um, brother Timmy Tayo Adeoshifogun. And he'll talk a little bit more about his background as a transnational. So I don't want to spoil that for y'all, but I just want to introduce you um, to this good brother. So, bro, thank you so much for joining me on the show, man. Welcome. Man, bro, appreciate the introduction. I appreciate the love, man. It's, a, it's, a, it's an honor to be on the on the podcast, on the show. I'm sitting here with the legend, man. That's all I'm going to say, Kels, you, you, are, you are the mentor of mentors, my brother. Man. Mentor of mentors. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm humbled. I'm humbled, man. I, you know, it's, it's, just, it's just a process of being able to be fortunate to come across good people like you who... Uh, who just continue to make an amazing difference, pursue their passions, and, and, compl- and continue to inspire people like me, man, and just giving back, man. So I'm, I'm, I'm grateful, uh, man. But yeah, so so before we get to gisting, you know, I, I really want mm. you to to introduce yourself and just just let the people know, man, who 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 Tayo is and what you what you stand for, man, and all the good things that you're doing. For sure. Um... So again, my name is Mitayo Adel Shifogu. Um, don't know how detailed to get, but uh, born in London, raised in Chicago, Nigerian household, first born, uh, first generation, or second generation, if you will. Um, parents came here in the late '80s. Um, you know, so uh, definitely have all the feels of being raised in a traditional Nigerian household. <clears throat> Probably a little bit more um, liberal than most, though. However, growing up, uh, studying engineering in college, um, uh, currently still doing that. Um, as an as an electrical engineer by day, um, at night I wear a plethora of hats. One being uh, a fashion designer and two business owners. One on the um, fashion side to help increase the awareness of black brands and the revenue of black brands through mm-hmm. many mediums uh, with the company called Sincerely Richard with my good brother Abdullah. Um, and the second one is called Regular People where the aim is to uh, bring people to the heart of Jesus Christ through fashion, through experiences, and through uh, healing, through art. Um, and so those two endeavors have been my passion project, if you will, especially the spiritual one and regular people. Uh, and then lastly, I am a blockchain enthusiast, man. I'm a heavy crypto investor, heavy mm. into that world. Um, love it. It literally, I live it every single day. Wow. And once I get nice enough, I will be doing something to help the common person get involved and, you know, get their finances in order so they can have generational wealth as well. So, um, yeah, so I guess that's a real quick tidbit. Oh, of course I went to U of I, you know. Shout out to U of I, man. Yeah, man. Shout out to ACA. U of I. Yeah, shout out to ACA, yo. Probably the best org on that campus during that on time. On the campus. Um, yeah. Probably still is. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah. Man, yeah, man. And I think, you know, we're going to touch on all of that. You know, we're going to touch We're gonna touch on Sincerely Richard. We're going to talk about regular people because I really want to know. And I really, really want to know for my own personal selfish reasons. I want to know about this blockchain investment. And um, I know that it'll benefit <laughs> me and my wife. And we want to talk more about that as we are trying to learn more about cryptocurrency and things of that nature. So um, I, we we're going to cover sure. all that. But we're going to start first just talking about your upbringing. And you mentioned that you are Born, you were born in the UK, raised in the Chicago, mm-hmm. Nigerian, in a Nigerian household. And it's like, you, I, you know, just having that 
in this podcast, we always talk about the whole idea of transnationals and being black people who have connections to multiple countries, you know, being born here, but still having connections to Nigeria and then living in Chicago. You have, I'm not, I don't know if it's for sure, but I know you at least have multiple passports. You know what I mean? And like, what has, what is that, what has that life been like for you? Like being able to know that you have the UK connection, being born there, but mm-hmm. you, in which many Nigerians have connections to the UK because of colonialism, but also, yeah. you know, Ray being raised in America, Yankee, and then also like, you know, being Nigerian and you know, your parents are always about back home. So like, what was that like for you coming up as that second generation Nigerian American that's also Londonian? Man, so I would love to say I have most of the passports. I don't, I have two. <laughs> really? <laughs> so, I, so, so, so I was born in the UK, but I was only there for maybe like, nine months i was born in 91 okay in may we we left uk the following year and moved to chicago like why probably like march or so of 92 okay so i didn't even get a chance to experience it you know i i never got the accent you know i I never got any of that you know none none, none of the blessings that i I should have gotten from uk i didn't get but obviously i have a lot of family like most of my aunts and uncles live there and everything so a lot of families out there um but when i came to america uh, at, at, at that young age, you know, just growing up, I, to be honest with you, I didn't really want to be Nigerian for a long time because mm. I didn't. I was surrounded by the African American culture, which is nothing wrong with it. But um, at that time, I wanted to be so involved in that, and that's all I saw. That's all I knew. My parents were in and out, worked all the time. I saw them, but I, it kind of felt like they were just handing us chores and rules, and they'd be gone. And they'd come, you know, what I'm saying so it, it was very. <laughs> It was very rudimentary for the first probably like 10, 11, 12 years of my life, mm-hmm. um, this experience in the household. Um, and me and my older brother, um, he's five years older than me, but it feels like we're the same age because it's how close we are. Um, you know, he his experience was a bit different in terms of um, he lived in Nigeria. He was born in Nigeria, moved to the UK, moved to America, so he had a different experience. But for me, um, I wanted to be part of the black culture because I wanted to fit in. Mm-hmm. Um, but because I was Nigerian, because I had, you know, super dark skin, you mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? Because I had these different rules, like, oh, you can't go out on Halloween or you oh can't celebrate this or, or you can't be out late or when you go home or you can't be a failure in school, you cannot get an A minus, you know, all, mm-hmm. all these rules um, that I had to follow, you know what I'm saying? All I wanted to do was be a part of the, the kids, you know? Um, and it was hard because I wasn't able to and then there's a whole issue of like bullying and whatnot because of your um nigerian heritage of being called african buddhist capture of being oh, yeah. called yeah everything you know you know all that oh, thing, I know all about so that. it's like i experienced it all so like here i was at growing up it left a void of like man i'm really trying to fit in you know i think that's what kind of birthed the fashion um desire because i wanted to be so i wanted to fit in so, so badly that i did everything i could in terms of quote unquote shitting on people. Mm-hmm. You me? So mm-hmm. like uh, mm-hmm. so I was like, let me just go ahead and like dominate not only in school and in the maths and the books and the sciences, mm-hmm. but you know, also when you see me, you gonna know I'm above you. You know what I'm saying? So y'all can no longer talk that talk. Right. You can you and and, and you also can't walk walk and I walk. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. it, it was kind of a it was birthed out of um uh, uh frustration, but I think it was encouraged by our heritage, you know, yeah. like just Growing up, you kind of have that upper echelon attitude. Yeah. So, yeah, man, that's. You know, I can relate so much, bro. Like, even everything Mm -hmm. that you're saying is crazy, you know, because I think about when you talk about the parentals and almost feeling like you're raising Mm -hmm. yourself because the parents have to hustle. You know what I mean? Like, they're hustling, working. So it's like they're, it's kind of like, you know, two ships, you know, passing at night. They, They see you, they see you a little bit, tell you, you know, what you need to do, discipline you if you need, if you're not doing well in school. And then they're working, maybe some of them working late nights or early mornings and you have to go to school and come back and you're at the crib by yourself and it's your older sibling that's, you know, you're pretty much raising yourselves and, and it's like, don't open the door for mm-hmm. nobody. Don't pick up the phone for nobody <laughs> until and then until you get older. And then, as you said, you know, like what really sat with me, the, that whole idea of shitting on people, you know, and where, and where it came from, the, the, that whole concept yeah. of, bro, like, 
you not, you know, we finna get these Air Force Ones. We finna put up on these Jabos. Mm-hmm. At least back then, we was rocking Jabos. I mean, you're not that, you're not that yeah, young. You know. like, but you know about the Jabos straps and everything. Everybody was trying to, we was out here trying to stunt, you know what I mean? And that was a product of us trying to distance ourselves from our African mm-hmm. roots because of the sheer just yeah. annoyance and uh, annoyance and impose how imposing our parentals were you know when it came to mm-hmm. just the household and you didn't like that and then also like you said the reception of of being received and being called african booty stretcher you know like man coming out of the crib yeah. smelling like f4 and you're just like in palm oil and you trying nah. to you trying to you trying to <laughs> baptize it bro i used to try to baptize myself in dracar noir like i used to man it, it was bad act spray anything anything <laughs> no, i thought i, I could do late, to bro, I relate, bro I, i'm telling like, you <laughs> i tried to cover myself up with all of that man but like that whole thing like you're not finna you're not finna clown me because i know exactly how y'all roll and not only am i gonna show you how y'all how to do it you know what I'm saying? I'm going to do it well. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be fly so you can leave me alone and know that I can be Nigerian and I can still be fly. And we, you know, and that that ultimately is what happens. We blend in so well that at some mm-hmm. point we just become part of that culture. But then I want to know what that was like with your parents, like, or just your family. You know, they sometimes mm-hmm. they look at you and they, you're trying to do, you're trying to do style. Why are you, why are you dressing like these people? Mm-hmm. Are you supposed to be dressing <laughs> like a good Christian? You're supposed to be a good Christian Bro. boy. Like, why are you, why are you dressing? So, why, why are you buying this thing for eighty dollars? Why are you doing it? Like, how was that? <laughs> Yo, it was a struggle. Um, <laughs> it was this. This is <laughs> I can't. I'm going back in time. This is a true struggle. So. When I was like around like 10, 11, 12, kind of going into my middle school years, um, so my family had a period of like doing very, very well mm-hmm. in life. My parents were doing so well. Um, and then after Bush got elected, man, it went completely down here. Like mm-hmm. a lot of financials fell through the business office. So like there was a period of prosperity where my parents just was, was cool because they had money and then they didn't. Mm-hmm. And they just never really had it ever since. So it's like, um, during that time, we used to get clothes and stuff, but it would be all from the Goodwill store. It'd be from Value City, you know, back then. Payless, mm-hmm. um, you know, all the stores that was oh. real cheap. You know what I'm saying? So we used to rock the Mecca and the Eating Cheat mm-hmm. and the uh, South Pole. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? But um, uh, at some point, my brother kind of started off the whole, like, I'm going to go ahead and start wearing Nike. And, like, that was when, when he was in high school. And I was like, oh, we can actually just be different. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so that was when this, this, this was this was the sound, bro. That was when Braves was hot. When Lil Wayne was out and he had he had to have a dress and everything, you know what I'm saying? So yeah. he was like, I mean, we about to get braids. So he got braids first and I got braids in fifth and fourth fifth grade. Bro, so you I got braids? I had braids for I had braids for seven years. What? Yeah, geez. <laughs> I had braids and they never grew past my neck. It was rough, but I had <laughs> it was tough for me. Um <laughs> <laughs> but like so so to check it out. So we used to go to this um Nigerian camp called Nana and shout out to everybody for Nana camp if you listen to this. Um but we used to go to this camp called Nana and it was basically Nigerian Adventist in, in North America. It was a mm-hmm. religious camp that basically just united all of us from across the country and it was lit every single time. But the minute we got braids, yo, mm-hmm. they alienated us in some in everything. They would say those bad ideals for good boys, those oh my those tumultuous boys. Those trouble twins. They used to call us so many names because we had braids, yo. And we were the most, quote unquote, I wouldn't say popular, but we were very, very known in that community. And we weren't bad kids. We were nice. We were spiritual. We was always leading out. But because we had that appearance mm-hmm. of having braids, because we used to wear fake Jordans at that time because we had no money, you know, and like Air Force Ones that were beat or K-Swiss or whatever, mm-hmm. or because we wore like value city shorts and headbands and and wristbands and whatnot, you know, we would get called these things like, oh, they're bad news, don't talk to them. Even the, even their daughters don't date them, et cetera. Wow. You know, and that bled into our adulthood, but we'll, we'll get there later. <laughs> you know, but because of the simple fact that we were kind of rolling with the culture, our parents were fought against this every single day. But because me and my brother were so like, I was a very bad kid. I was very hard-headed. <laughs> I was stubborn. I talk back. I got an attention every day in elementary school for about three years straight. Mm-hmm. I got suspended over 20 times. I got DNRs. Two and I returned home. I got an award from from my school for being the baddest kid to ever attend the school. What? You know what I'm saying? So all these, bro, it was it was rough. You know, my parents had a really, really 
rough time raising me. And I would say, if if if, if I have a kid like me, I'm I'm gonna be pressed, yo. Mm. <laughs> I'm gonna be pressed because it it was rough to raise a child that did the opposite of everything you said and and wanted his way no matter what. My brother was a little bit easier, but I was definitely the one that was the struggle. So for me to go ahead and get brazen, defile them, and then to also brag about it to other kids and make them, and coming from that idea of I'm better than everybody else, to, to make them feel like they're beneath me with that. You know, mm-hmm. it, it, it was definitely, um, it, was, it was hard for them. So kudos to them for being such great parents, but I definitely know that it was hard for them for my for my early teens and my late uh, singles, I guess you can call them, what you call them, but yeah. Bruh, you know, and... Um, I, I think about what you said in regards to the, 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 the pay less and the value city clothes and the, bro, I'll never forget. And I, I'm going to save, I'm going to save some of the tea for when we, when we just, for those who listening and shout out to, we are coming up with a series called growing up African and, 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 and Tayo will be part of that as well, which would be dope. Cause it's going to be a lot more of us talking. Mm. So that's coming soon. It's going to be a vibe, but yes, um, one of the things that really stood out to me, bro, well, I'll never forget. And this, when I first came to the States, you know, we lived in the North side, mm-hmm. you know, North side of Chicago. And I don't know how familiar you are with the North side of Chicago, but I'll never forget. This was like for mm-hmm. my 10th birthday. And my mom took me to this very popular street for those who live on the North side. You know, everybody know about Wilson Avenue. And, yep. you know, when there was a Payless back then across the, across the street from a Foot Locker. And, um, you know, my mom used to take me to, you know, my, take me to uh, pay less and, and get me the, the, the Hakeems and, you know, the shacks. And, and I was like, you know what? Nah, mm-hmm. man, I'm turning 10. You're not going to do this to me, shorty. <laughs> like, I'm finna, I'm finna, we finna go to, we finna go to rainbow skating rink for my 10th birthday. You finna have me out here in these shacks? Nah, sis. Like, nah, nah, I can't do it. Not the all-star Hakeem the dreams. I'm not doing this. So I was like, oh, nah, I'm going to go to this pay less. I'm like, mom, let's go check out Foot Locker real quick. So she's like, okay, cool. So I go to the, and I see these Air Force One low tops, black with the orange Nike swoop on it, man. I'm like, yo, this is the one. Mm-hmm. And my mom's like, yo, it's $70. And I'm like, yeah, $70. I'm like, but I want it. And she's like, but why can't you? You can get like a shoe and like a couple pair of clothes for your birthday to wear. And I was like, no, my like, yo, I pulled a fit. Like, I've never pulled a fit in my <laughs> life. But I was like, I'm not mm-hmm. going to pay less. Yo, I promise you. That she gave me though, she gave me she she I pulled a fit. She I didn't want to she didn't want to uh, cause a scene, but she was really upset. But she didn't say nothing. She just took out the seventy dollars in her purse, gave it to me, and she was like, "Okay, go out and buy your shoe." And I was like, "All right, I bought my shoe." Yo, to this very day, she will never ever step in a shoe store with me to this day. Like, yo, that's like she was so mad, bro. Like traumatized. Traumatized. She was so mad. She was like, I'm never going shopping with you again. For shoes, lie lie. Never in my life. I'm not doing that thing. I was like, Ma, why are you dramatic? Like that was like 30, 20 years ago. To this day. My son, she not she not even gonna let me go with her to go buy shoes for him. Like that's <laughs> that's how wow. crazy. That's how deep it is, bro. bro. That's how deep it was for her, man. But I mean, just everything. But you know what's so interesting when you mentioned the whole thing about the with the braids, like how the whole the whole identity changed. And like, I'm yeah. curious because of how how much you wanted to connect. Like, did you know? Did you automatically notice that tension between African Americans and African? Like, what was that perspective like? And when did it change for you when you started to embrace your Nigerian your Nigerian roots? So, and this is why I love ACA, because it changed when I got to college. Um, and I was literally through high school, I was the same, but I was, I was less, I was more accepting of it because I was just older. But, mm-hmm. I, but I didn't really claim it as much, you know, because in my high school, shout out to Rich South in the suburbs of Richmond Park, um, I didn't have many African friends. Mm-hmm. There, wasn't, there was not that many of us. And, they, and on, then on top of that, there were there also was, was not that many Nigerians. And all of the Nigerians who I did know, they were like super Nigerian. So they didn't really mm-hmm. accept me because I wasn't really Nigerian. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't speak the language. I wasn't hype on soccer. You know what I'm saying? All, mm-hmm. all these Nigerian things that that are that are that are uh, that are stereotypical. I wasn't really involved. You ain't, che- you ain't, um, you ain't get the checklist. You ain't get the checklist at all. I did not, man. I did not. <laughs> all I had was being smart and fresh, bro. I, that, that, that was all. I, that was all. That was all. That I checked off, man. Um, so after that, I um, in college, I got to U of I. Um, I don't remember who I met first. I have no idea. I forgot. I want to say it was 
I think I, well, I already knew Chi Chi, so I knew her, so I got to ACA through her. Um, and that, from that first meeting, bro, it was over with. Hearing the accent, hearing, hearing everybody just laughing, hearing all of the, the dance, like, I didn't even know any dancing back then, you know? Mm-hmm. And from that point on, I went on to do every ACA dance and, and fashion show we had, yeah. you know? Um, so I really, ACA is what woke me up, if you will. Uh, I was not involved in my Nigerian roots at all until I got to my freshman year of college when I started meeting people who, they didn't let their, uh, they didn't, they didn't let their blackness overtake their African. That makes sense. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Like meeting people like like Joyce or Dara might be a diva there. Like these people, there there is no separation. It's I'm just what I am. You know, I yeah. was like, wow, this is different. You know, like y'all talk like this 24 mm-hmm. seven. There there was no switching back to a I'm gonna hide my identity of who my family is it was like no you're gonna know who my family is and you're gonna love it mm-hmm. and you're gonna laugh with me or i'm or i'm leaving you behind mm-hmm. and so when i got to aca i felt that love of the culture i felt that love and joy from you all who headed the aca board who who definitely led the the packing on the time that's what i keep saying you're a mentor of mentors because you helped me see that you can have this uh pride in your culture without offending anybody else and for so long i thought oh if i embrace this so much and i love it so much and and then and if i talk about it so much somebody will get offended Mm -hmm. you know but i realized like no like if they get offended that's the reflection of who they are not 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 a reflection of who you are and not a reflection of who god has made you to be so um just knowing that man hca is really this they were the ones that got me, or y'all were the ones that got me involved with my heritage. Bruh, and, uh, it was it's amazing, and I and I definitely want to just echo that, especially the ACA influence. Um, and for those who do not know, ACA stands for African Cultural Association, and it's one of the main premier organizations at the University of Illinois, which is where we both are from. And, you know, one mm-hmm. of the things that you also mentioned, shout out to Mike B, who was also a past guest on the show. Michael Bronte was on the last season of the podcast. Mm-hmm. And, you know, one of the things that, you know, you, you address is that we, we, you have the people, you start to meet the people who had the ability to, who were just like you, like you had that Americanized style, but we also brought the African mm-hmm. flavor. And one of the things that I always have to speak about your generation, I think, you know, my generation, the earlier generation, we were kind of at the beginning, but you all really took it to the next level as far as being able to, when that Azonto movement took off, bro. And like, <laughs> you, bro, you know it, Yo. you know what I mean? Like when the Azonto movement and the Afro beats took off and that wave swept the whole campus and yeah. you know, you might yeah. be G, everybody y'all came in at the right time where it was just like, y'all had the best of both. Like you were able to compose yeah. yourselves. And if no one really knew y'all names, you was like, oh, they just about African-Americans. But then you threw in the African swag with it. And it was like, oh man, like y'all made it cool to be African on campus. Right. And that was Wow. huge that was huge like y'all, y'all generation definitely took it i mean we were starting it but it was very mm-hmm. good y'all, y'all pushed it to the next level where it was beyond where everybody had to take notice and that was powerful mm-hmm. because then it started to really make us think about nobody those the african-americans whether it was other organizations like cbsu or even like you know we both went greek like we started to be able to bring those other aspects of our lives into our African world and they started to embrace it too because whether it was your ship whether it was your bro whether it was your friend who was you know part of CBSU or your dorm or whatever like they were all mm. coming through to this taste of Africa grab some jollof rice or they were coming to this fashion yeah. show or coming to this <laughs> reggae party bro Every, everybody came always always you know what I mean and it was such a vibe mm. like you know so so that's why I was curious you know to 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 see what you thought about what it was mm-hmm. like before ACA, when it, what did you notice about the relationship between African-Americans and Africans until before ACA? What was your observation? They didn't like us, point blank, period. Mm. <laughs> I'm going to keep it real. Like, yeah, they keep it not, real. They didn't rock with it. You know, that there was no type of, like, acceptance for your Nigerian or any type of African type, any type of African culture or past. I mean, brought her even in high school. Like the commentary was ridiculous. Show like y'all every time we would have a documentary about something in like in uh in history class or or, or social studies or something like that, and 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 they would hint towards an African history. They would look at all of us and say, "Y'all used to ride as ride elephants living huts." They'd be cracking up, dying laughing, oh saying, "Y'all think y'all must be y'all this." Coming from that to this now post Black Panther, post Afrobeat, post 
ACA post, it's, 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 it's surreal <laughs> because I'm able to now bust out my accent at work and people love it. It's, yeah. it's crazy, you know? Yeah. And like back then, if I bust out an accent, as mediocre as it was, you know what I'm saying? Like they would be like, what is that? And they would make fun of you, you know? <laughs> or if you, or if God forbid, if I wore Ankara to, oh my to, to, God. to school, wow. oh my gosh, wow. yo. Not now, now, if you infuse Ankara, you're a legend. Yeah. It's like, I, I, I can't, I can't even, if you told me back then that the world would be what it is now, and in accepting us for our heritage and who we are, not only accepting it, but trying to find out who they are, trying mm-hmm. to find out where am I from? Well, here's where I'm from. Cool. I'm gonna start buying. I'm gonna start doing. I'm, I have I have African American friends who learn the language more than I have. Mm-hmm. Yoruba, mm-hmm. Igbo, Tree. I'm just like this is crazy, you know. And I'm happy. Don't get me wrong. I love to see it, but a part of me is like a little bit bitter, like. Man, y'all really put us through a tough childhood, you know. <laughs> so, but I get it, I you get know. It. It's, 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 and I do understand that it, it, it definitely stems from, I think, the top down from a system that was that taught us to hate ourselves, mm-hmm. you know. So I can't really, I can't really be mad at our brothers and sisters for the way that we were treated. I can only be mad at the system that we were that we that we were bred into from the very beginning, even our parents. Yeah. So, you know. But yeah, it's, it's it's definitely been an amazing 180 to yeah. see all of us come together underneath one heritage. And there's still some work to do. It's not like it's completely done. There's still a lot of work to do um, in regards to different types of African-American. I think that's probably the next step is to be able to unite that front of quote-unquote hood niggas, niggas, mm-hmm. and, and professional black people when we're all the same. And then you have Africans. Like, how do we mitigate those gaps? Yeah. So... Yeah. And I mean, so like, what do you think could be some of the things we can continue to do to mitigate those gaps, though, like and, and bridge them? That's a tough question, man. <laughs> it is. Um, I would say. Honestly, so my take on this is very, very spiritual, but I, I, I do not think this solution is going to fall into. Now, a lot of people who hear this are going to be disagreeing with me about it. I don't care. Do you um, think, think? I, I, I don't think the solution falls into a level of laws, of, of protesting and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Yes, to some degree, we have to do that in, in order to get our rights, in order to get the things that we need. But I do believe that there are a lot of us that are not seeking or have not experienced a spiritual connection to God, Mm. especially to Jesus on that front. Mm -hmm. And I think that we are not, we're on the other side of time. You know what I'm saying? Like we're not, we don't have hundred thousand years left to get this right. You know, there, there is no, there, there is no time left to delay in searching for that, Connection, no matter what your religion is, there's mm-hmm. no you have to. That needs to be a, the, the number one priority. Yeah. So when I said that, I said it because if a if a complete nation, and you know, we're basically the modern the modern day Israelites. If a complete nation turned around and and seek God, I don't think that the kind of God that we all serve, a loving God, will take that and continue to allow us to simply be oppressed mm. and continue to allow us to just simply be um, forgotten or or beat down by the man, if you will. Mm-hmm. I think there would be, and I, and, and I do think there are a lot of things that are happening because of a lot of people turning to Christ. I think there's a, there is a movement at this moment that is bringing to Christ through my time, through all these different kinds of people who are, who are leading that front. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that there is a spiritual disconnect in our people that needs to be addressed that, unfortunately, we don't want to address it. <laughs> most of us. So some of us do, most of us don't. Because it's very, very uncomfortable, and it puts the blame back on us. We don't want to take the blame, mm. you know, mm. um, or take responsibility. Mm. Um, all that being said, I do think that there also obviously needs to be 
more of us taking responsibility and assuming roles of power in places where there needs to be that uh, in legislative um, areas and different types of um, progressive uh, areas of government as well as technology as well as business and everything which I do think we're doing so I don't want to say we're not making strides we are but I think that a lot of us are being impatient and at a time where we can't rush this movement it's going to take a lot of time protests for another five years probably won't do everything that we want to do I think I, I think I realized that when Floyd was murdered. I said, "Wow, this is great," but I was talking to my dad, and he was like, "We've been doing this. We've been seeing this since I was since I was in Nigeria to when I moved here in the in the 80s. Like I've seen it. I've done it. I've marched. I protested. These things are great, but you have to realize like you have to put yourself in position to make change long term. That's that may not be you doing something right now. That may be you staying in school. That may be you perfecting your your, your craft. That may be you." getting right with Christ. That may be you doing whatever it takes to make sure that your purpose and path in this world is perfected so that when you do have your effect that you're supposed to have, you'll have it and you will not miss your calling or your beat. And that's why I said a lot of us need to get right with Christ so that we can be able to know what our calling is so that all of us can work together as one body and one body of God, Mm. not separate. Right now where a lot of us are separate, and that's why we're not seeing a lot of things be unified, such as voting. It shouldn't be this hard to get all of us to vote, but it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I dig it, man, and I appreciate you sharing that message with us um, because I think you know there, there there's some people who definitely will appreciate that, knowing that I mean, with everything that we can be that can be done physically in this world right now, you know, it's it's a, it's a very important question to ask to see if we all as a as a community are we spiritually ready for what change we're looking for. You get me. So like mm-hmm. it's it's and that's a powerful question to ask that we need to reflect on. So I, I think I appreciate the depth in that that I think needs to be reflected on, you know, um, and I, and I want to mm-hmm. bridge that conversation into talking. Well, I want to first talk about what you mentioned for your dad coming in, you know, from Nigeria. And I, and I want to ask you, like, when was the last time you've been mm-hmm. to Nigeria? Man, bro, it's, that's I want that's 2009, man. OK, it's yeah. it really sad. But I was in Ghana in 2011 uh-huh. and 2016. So, there's that. <laughs> do you want? Do you plan on trying to go back anytime soon? Or I would. So my plan was to go back this December. Actually, I had a whole birthday thing planned because I'm turning 30 next year in May, and I wanted to invite all my homies out to Nigeria, have oh, two know. houses next to each other. You know, have a whole two week trip. I had it planned out, but COVID happened. Yeah, COVID. And killed yeah, a lot here, of here we are. It killed a lot of dreams, man. So, I ain't gonna lie to you. I know. Really so I'm hoping to get back next year. Well, yeah, no, I, I know that'd be a really dope experience, and I do hope that things uh, get, in, hope things improve, and we find a solution so that you can be able to still make this work. Even though you got to kind of get the message yeah. early because tickets are, you know, tickets can be high, and you got to plan all that stuff. Yeah. But, but we still gonna make yeah. it rock, man. Because we, the wife and the family, we trying to go next year too. So let us know what the move is, because uh, we'd love to come celebrate you as well. Um, for sure. But, but uh, yeah, for sure. Uh, so now. That message you shared about spirituality and connection, I I really want to talk about regular people and how you went about Mm -hmm. that. I'm kind of working backwards. I want to talk about regular people than Sincerely Richard, but I want to know more about regular people and what led you to create that platform. So this is a, I'm going to try to keep this short. Um, After I finished college in 2015, um, I moved to Chicago and I lived a pretty reckless lifestyle of partying, drinking, smoking, sex, pornography, like all the things that I shouldn't have been doing. Um, now, granted, as I was doing it, I still was a good person, according to the outside world, but to God and what I was doing, it was very simple. Um, and I lost my job. And it was a whole bunch of events that led me to thinking, I need a solution. In 2016, I remember sitting in my apartment after losing my job and thinking, I'm not heading in my direction. And before that time, I had never really said Jesus' name out loud. I don't know why. I just mm. never really did. Um, I'm not sure if I didn't believe or what the case may be, but I never really said it. That was the first day I said it, and I remember experiencing a completely new spiritual experience in terms of just feeling his presence, and I think that was the day where I gave my life to Christ. Mm. Um, <clears throat> now, I, I mean, I, to be honest, the very next day I was doing the same stuff I was doing before, but just being able to, to, to experience something different, he began to point out things. I remember praying that same night, like, Lord, take all of my talents, my gifts, my skills, my mindset, my success, and I want to give all this to you. 
I want to do everything for you and to advance your kingdom, period. And mm-hmm. I prayed that. Mm-hmm. Um, now, fast forward to uh, 2018 and January 17th. I remember I was in baptism class at my church, and I was still smoking weed heavily at that point in time. And um, I mean, it was like daily, bro. It was bad. Uh, so <laughs> it was so bad. But that day was the first day I figured out. I said, I'm not doing this no more. I lasted for a month and I was right back doing it. <laughs> but that journey from when I quit that time, these are all moments that I wanted to express because they were all moments of growth that I felt like needed to be said yeah. to give you a better idea of how I got to this platform. Um, now, in 2018, at that time, I was still in church and whatnot, and I began to see, like, Germans on clothes. I was like, some, like he would say something, or I would reach in the Bible, and I would see a design. I would see visions of, like, just heat, bro, coats and jackets and art and infused and, and wool and and I would see fashion shows and videos. And it was like, I would see it all. I was like, man, this is amazing. But I remember thinking, I was like, I cannot just do this, make money for God or offer God's likeness and to call it a day. Mm. Like, I can't. I cannot bring myself to do that. So I said, I told one of my good friends at church that day, I was like, look, I have, I think I found my purpose in life, but I can't do it until my spirit's mature. And he was like, all right, well, get your shit together. I was like, all right. So, you know what I'm saying? So, that's when I moved to Philly in July I was of 2018, that is. I um, was still smoking, still having sex, still watching porn. Like, all the, it was less, but it was still there. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember getting to Philadelphia. I didn't have any more friends. I didn't know anybody out here. Didn't know anybody out here. Um, I was coming from a place in Chicago where I knew everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had to actually fight to not be out. <clears throat> and, and, and I had to fight to not go out and, and not party and whatnot and not have a good time. Um, now it's forced to be home because I didn't have anywhere to go. So it was just me, the blunt, and, and God, you right, know? Right. Um, and through that experience of him just constantly breaking me down, bro, I mean, I can't even tell you the amount of times I went through, like, depression or anxiety attacks or uh, just being in, in a state of, like, I don't know who I am. Mm-hmm. So I had been so caught up in the quote-unquote you of our life where you go out, you come back, you know what I'm saying? You have all these friends, you drink, you smoke, you party, you have sex. That was life. And I had been so used to that. Getting out of it was almost impossible while I was still in it in Chicago. And so <clears throat> coming to Philly, I didn't have it anymore. The first friends I had was from my church. And they were married. Everybody I knew for the first like year were all married people who had found Christ and weren't doing any of these things. Right. That was completely out of my element. And I was like, I don't have friends. In reality, I had so many friends out here. They just weren't the same kind of friends that I had in Chicago. So I wasn't used to being able to have to confide in people who don't do these things. So I was embarrassed. I felt like a loser. I felt like I was not where I, I needed to be. All the while, God was building me up to have the, the spiritual maturity to handle the load of taking this brand on full force. And it wasn't until... October 15th of 2019, where he finally said, you are now ready to do this. Mm. Mind you, I have been designing in the back doors, just like, I have bought a book, and I would just be designing things on the side and planning concepts and content. I was working on it, but I was never exposing it. So I, I don't want to be held accountable, because I thought, oh, I'm too sinful to do this, right? Um, October 15th, and he said, you can go ahead and do this. And I was like, I remember crying tears of joy of, of just of just feeling like I finally figured out what my purpose is and I can move forward in this. But the crazy part is now that I'm giving it okay, now I have the responsibility of it. It was right. heavy, right? right? Um, December of that year or November of 2019, last year, I was studying for the GMAT and um, God was like, you know what, you need to go ahead and start doing this for real when you go back to Chicago for Christmas. I said, what do you mean? He said, yes. he said, you keep thinking that this brand's about clothes. It's not about clothes. It's about people experiencing me. Mm. Stop thinking that you're going to be this fashion designer and all that you will, but that's only 10% of what this brand is going to be. I'm going to heal people through you, with you, and heal you in, this, in, in the, the process as well. And so he told me, he was like, you need to start throwing events where you bring people together and have them discuss situations and things that people don't normally discuss about faith, about spirituality, about sex, about death, about grief, about doubt, about anxiety, fear, all of it, right? All centered around me. And I said, I can't, I, I'm a, what? You know what I'm saying? I can't, 
I can't do that. I, I don't have the ability. And he was like, I'm not sending you because you're so good. I'm sending you because I'm that good. Mm. And when I got, when I, when, and mind you, this was like two weeks before I got to Chicago. And then the day before the event, I had a whole fashion show for City Richards. So I was stressed out. But somehow, some way, everything worked out from making the clothes in two weeks, from the logistics, everything worked out. And I had the event. It was beautiful. It was about 25 people there. It was all private because I wanted to make sure that the concert was there. Mm-hmm. People were in there crying and they loved the experience. And then COVID happened and I was going to do another one in Philadelphia in March. But the day before I was going to do it, I canceled it because cases were spreading like crazy in yeah. March like, uh, yeah. past year. So... I remember I put on Instagram a post about me finding who I was and really understanding my identity because through that experience of losing out on going with the original plan of the brand, I realized like I had put so much of my identity in this brand and not in God himself. And spending all that time with myself, not going nowhere, not doing anything, not doing any drugs, not having sex. And I, at that point I was telling like, I'm not doing any of this no more. Um, and so I found out and I realized, like, you know what? I spent so much time alone in prayer and reading and supplication. I found out who I really was. I found out my identity in him. I found out my calling and, and, and I found out how much love he truly has for me and how much he wants to express that love to others through me and use me with it if I am willing to serve. And I remember the prayer I prayed back when, like, oh, I want to use my talents and skills to serve you. This is exactly what it looks like. That's how the brand was born. Mm-hmm. To use my fashion skills, my design skills, my detail, oriented skills, my networking skills, my ability to host. I'm a great hoster in all aspects of the word. Mm-hmm. All these things and skill sets that I learned from being a Sigma. Shout out to the mob. Shout out to And, you know, I learned all these all these things that I thought in the past was just a waste of my time. But in reality, it created who I was and now to be able to serve in this way now. And this is all still fresh, bro. I mean, it's only been a year. Yeah. You know, I just now put it out there because I realized I can't hide what God is doing for me. I have to say it. And I realized that and this is where I was coming from, from the fact that people need to spend more time to figure out their connection with God because if you, I realized that people who hold it in, and I've been that person for so long, if you love someone or something so much, I look at it like sports. People talk about the Bears, the Bulls, about even when they're losing, I'm talking like straight trash. The people <laughs> who, are, who are still hyped about the Bulls right now, and they trash, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. But, you, but you're still posting about it. I see you post about it all the time. Yep. And it's like, if we had that same type of tenacity, that same type of love for God, mm. why wouldn't we be shouting about it? Because mm. we love him too much, mm. or we love him that much. But I think we have been so groomed and conditioned to think, oh, that may offend somebody. Even if you don't... Put, or even Jesus, if I talk about Allah too much, that may offend somebody. This may, you know what I'm saying? It's like, I lost, geez, I'll tell you, I lost the sense of offending people. Like, I don't care if you get mad. I don't care if you hate me. I don't care if my posts are too much for you. I don't care if this brand is too much for you to handle. I don't care if you think I'm lying, think I'm fake. I'm not living for the approval of people no more. Mm-hmm. I'm living for the approval of God. If that means I have no friends, I'm lonely as hell, so be it. Mm-hmm. And that's the kind of mentality that I entered during quarantine because I thought I had to get my validation from people. I had to have people tell me, oh, you fly, you fresh, or you're attractive. Or I, had to, I thought that I had to pull all the girls and get every girl I wanted. And I lived that life and it was just like, none of that, none of that fulfilled me the way that God does. And that's how I got to the point of being able to no, you good. Listen, bro. It was a that that is a very, 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 very inspiring, beautiful, real and authentic story. A testimony. It's not a story. It's a testimony, and you know, I deeply appreciate it. Um, you know, personally, and 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 it, you don't have to for the listeners who who are hearing um, Tayo and me talk. Um, it's it's not. This isn't necessarily a, a religious podcast and we're not necessarily going on that path but it's very inspiring because mm-hmm. you know you you listen to someone share a real transformation right now in the span of mm-hmm. about five minutes you just shared a very real open transformation understanding mm-hmm. and explaining to people that it's not going to happen immediately there's no montage wow. that you're going to see in, like you see in the movies where it happens in a span of five minutes the change 
happens and you have your pitfalls. You say, hey, God, I'm committing to mm-hmm. you. And the next day you're smoking weed. Okay. That's part right. of the process. Do we? Everybody says trust the process mm-hmm. and all that. So, you know, shout out to Philly. Um, but everybody says trust the process <laughs> and, and everything like that. And you don't understand the grind that it takes, the mental ups and downs, the challenges, the questioning yourself and, and understanding if you're mm-hmm. really committed. And so for you to be able to share that is, is something that I greatly appreciate because I think many people sometimes don't tend to understand they want to see the glory but they don't see the guts right the guts to admit to yourself when you're messing up the guts to admit to yourself that what you're doing is not good enough and you have a better purpose and you have to challenge yourself to be able to reach those heights to hold a bar high for Mm -hmm. yourself because that's what god or whoever you believe in that's what it's that person Mm -hmm. has set for you and you have to be able to strive and reach it and challenge yourself to get to those heights so for you to be able to share that and know that it's so fresh it's powerful it's powerful. It's definitely one of the more powerful conversations, uh, at least testimonies that I've heard in, in my time doing this podcast. So, so that was dope, you know, and so thank you for that. Um, but then how, I appreciate like, it, man. how does, you know, so, so when you, cause I've seen, I've seen the, the regular people and I think it's a dope concept. So like, how, how are you mm-hmm. connecting? Cause it seems like it, it might be connected with sincerely richer. So like, or is it a separate entity? Like how are those two things like right now working? Like, how do they work? Like, how do they, let me rephrase that. Like, how do they work so, like, our listeners can know how, how it functions as a business? For, for with people or for Sincerely or both? For both, both. You can say both. Okay, so, with, with people, we, there's a, I'm, I'm, I'm still trying to get this pitch down, but there's some pillars of income, if you will. So, the mission statement for us is to bring people to Christ through healing experiences, unique healing experiences in doing so we are able to provide them through three means which one being events um well let's say like covid wasn't a thing at the moment um events being that you are you will be immersed in the space where you will be i won't say forced but guided through different unique interactions that you generally don't have with strangers and or people that you know um and through the interactions you'll be able to experience and testify and hear different things that may give you more of a healing nature towards christ um, these events obviously won't be free, um, and through other events, there'll be different mechanisms for you to be able to make purchases for the garments. So you can almost think of the event as spiritual public shops, but not okay. really. Okay. Um, so the garments that you buy, obviously, we have a voting tool. So that voting tool is when you buy a shirt or a coat or whatever, you get to vote on where your money goes. So every single month, there will be a tool on your purchase that says, hey, these are the different... or organizations that we have decided to um possibly uh, give money to choose one right and mm-hmm. the and the buyer will choose one if they don't want any of the ones that are that are an option they will go ahead and fill their own and then the month we simply take a tally and say all right well how many people who had the highest number of votes and whatever that amount is it could be anything from six dollars to just million dollars whatever it they be said will always go to an org at the end of every single month no matter how large or small those sales are okay um, this is net profit so obviously operational costs will be taken care of but now the third pillar um is that i actually just thought that i actually just began to do recently isn't really a paid thing it's more of an experience on uh being able to have conversations through zoom on different types of um I call them emotions or feelings. So that can be anxiety or fear or worry Mm -hmm. or death or hate or anger and whatnot. Um, So that's able to get people. And we had the first discussion last week that that was able to give people an opportunity to express how they do with things and learn from other people's experiences. So it's able to give people more of a, um, a comfort knowing that they're not, that they're, that they're not the only people who are going through these kinds of things. So we call that the collective, which is the same thing of the people who attend all the events. So, any questions on that? <laughs> no, 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 no. That was dope. That was dope. I just wanted to make sure you finished. I didn't want to interrupt you if you had no, any no, other no, thoughts. No, 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 that's it. Yeah, no, that that that's was that was. I mean, I think that that I love that. I love the the concept of it and what it does as far as you know, knowing that you're not. I mean, it's a business, obviously, but it's a business with mm-hmm. a higher calling and a higher purpose, and 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 trying yeah. to continue to help spread the message and spread the the, the word of of healing. To people through the things mm-hmm. that a lot of people love it's it's crazy well so i'm not I'm, i don't want to get too deep either but it's also it's almost like you know you use the vanity and people it, i'm not going to say use but you you almost like you transform the vanity that people have for fashion 
into a way to be able to bless mm-hmm. others. Right. Like, like, yeah. you know, and that's, and that's the beauty in it. Right. Like, so, you know, cause we understand mm-hmm. that fashion has been perceived as something that's very vain, right. Like, you know, everybody mm-hmm. is very superficial, but then when you take that, that human aspect of us being so superficial with fashion and you transform it into something that becomes spiritual, right. Where you can be mm-hmm. able to influence the spirituality in people's lives through that, you know, that's beauty. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's something that you can obviously claim as divine. So like that is, that's dope. That's dope. I, I love the, I love it. And, and I'm, I don't want to get too deep because I think it's powerful, but I, I get it. I get it a lot. And, um, I appreciate it, man. <laughs> yeah, no. Oh, um, but for the sake of time, you know, I, I want to kind of just ask one more thing really quickly. I want to know a little bit more. If you can just briefly share just the whole concept of the cryptocurrency and what led you to get into that really quickly. Sure. Um, this is actually the end of the divine story. Quickly, okay. I was in New York in 2018 in September. I had just moved to Philly. But I was in New York for a wedding that I was supposed to go to, but I wasn't invited. You know how that goes when you're Nigerian. Mm-hmm. There's somebody who you kind of know, but you don't really know them, and whatever. So I prayed to God. I said, Lord, do you want me to go to the wedding or not? He said, No, go home. So I drove back to Chicago. I mean, to Philadelphia. Um, and then I got back and started storming. So I go in, in, into my building. I get in the elevator. So first, so I had on, I had my off-white, uh, my off-white, my off-white sneakers in my hand, and I had on a suit and my suitcase. I'm in the elevator, right? Mind you, I didn't know anybody yet. I get in the elevator. There's like 40 Africans trying to get in the elevator. I'm like, y'all live here? Like, yeah. <laughs> One African talks to me. He's like, yo, are those off-white sneakers? I'm like, yeah. He's like, yo, that's so cool. I'm like, yeah, it was good. He was like, yo, I'm having dinner in my crib. Come through. This is a guy that has taught me everything I know. Wow. So if I didn't listen to God and go to that wedding, I would have never met him. Mm. And I would have never had all the quote unquote wealth and, 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 and knowledge I have now. So from that meeting with him, we began to hang out all the time. He taught me everything I know. And this man is now the owner of a token called DAP. And mm. DAP is a token that basically is able to, um, facilitate kind of like an index fund. So they basically take investments from the investors and they move their money around in the cryptocurrency community and they increase their investments while increasing the value of the token. So it's almost like if you invest in DAP, you're investing in many different um, successful uh, products on the cryptocurrency uh, world. So in that realm, I've learned a lot, bro, like a lot from liquidity to DeFi now with hot. So DeFi is decentralized finance, meaning kind of like a bank in and for yourself. Um, and I, I don't want to go on and on about it, but... I'm going to have to have you jump on. That- I'm going to have to have you jump on another show. We're going to have to rap more about this because this is dope. Like, I'm intrigued by yeah, this. It's, bro, it's deep. It's very... And it's deep when it comes to, like, how much we're fed that it's not deep. Mm, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, mm. there's, there's been years of the government saying that they're not involved or J.P. Morgan saying that they're not involved or Bank of America or... Merrill Lynch or, or Buffett or, and then these people will openly bash it. Mind you, they're buying thousands of Bitcoin on the side and you can see it. It's on Etherscan. It's, 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 it's on the blockchain. You can see their purchases. You, you may not know it's them, but you know it's somebody. Right. And then just through the, if you're an investor and you begin to communicate with different types of investors that will not be Telegram or through WhatsApp, you begin to meet people who know much more. And this is how I've been able to know a bit because I've been able to talk to my guy um, and he informs me about a lot of things that I don't even know. He gives me articles and whatnot and I read and, you know, through his platform that I invested in about, about a few months ago, you know, and being a member of his organization, um, you know, learning about how this works in terms of the modern day world and the modern day financial system, like it's almost inevitable that this is going to be the next, this going to this is the next digital evolution. It's happening before our eyes, and many people are going to miss it. Yeah. And that's why I'm so concerned. But I'm not in a position enough yet to be able to bring everybody on board. I'm just not. And I tried at first, but I, I was like, no, let me. That's not what my calling is right now. Right. Um, but if anybody wants to be able to invest or look into that for <clears throat> the platform that I'm involved in, the company is called R Block O U R B L O C. And the token is called DAP token, D-A-P, like I'm about to DAP you up, what's good? That's mm-hmm. the kind of spelling it is. Um, <clears throat> if you also want to, I started a podcast with him, uh, the owner, his name is Seishan. 
Um, and it is, we inform all of our listeners on how to invest in Bitcoin, what Bitcoin is, Ethereum, DAP, liquidity, DeFi. And we have a lot of topics. We, we even give tips on what coins to possibly invest in. Obviously, do your own research, but just from our experience, um, and that can be found on rblock.substack.org. Um, so Substack is an up-and-coming podcast or blog platform that we decided to use. So check that out if you want to uh, look into that. And I'm done plugging. <laughs> no, I was gonna. I was gonna ask you to share. I was gonna ask you to share anyway. But before, as we wrap up, you know, I, there are two questions I gotta ask. But I want to just mention that you've convinced me. I definitely got to get in touch with you and your guy. We got to be able to put on a show together talking about cryptocurrency so you can educate me and my audience and listeners Mm -hmm. about this because i'm just curious you know i'm thinking about when you talk about cryptocurrency and then i start thinking about akon and i'm like thinking about what akon is doing and what akon is trying to do for africa right Mm -hmm. you already know he's already been big on it and i do think when we're talking about the evolution the digital evolution i'll never forget when twitter came about and everybody was like yo Mm -hmm. This is the next big thing, right? Everybody was talking about Twitter, like, yo, this is the next big thing. I was like, what? How is it going to be the next big thing with like 140 characters? Your words are limited, blah, 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 right? And everybody was like, no, like, seriously, everything is going to change, journalism, blah, blah, blah. And everybody was like, nah, it's not. Facebook's still popping, everything. I mean, look at it. Like, Twitter runs conversations. People find out things that's happening in the world through Twitter before they even get it on the news. Like, so it's, 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 just, it's just a nice, you know, thing to kind of be ahead of the game when you see something that's blossoming in front of you especially for us black people and, and whether our transnationals or african-americans or whoever however you identify in a black nation we have to start being more aware of things that are in front of us that we can invest in for us to be able to evolve um and whether you want to help grow in america whether you want to help grow in africa wherever you but you feel you want to connect with we have to start knowing how we can be able to keep up with the times and not be behind um, so this is yeah. important. This is important, you know. So I, mm-hmm. I definitely would love to be able to have you both, you know, come chop it up with us about what's you know, what to be aware. So we gonna we gonna definitely set that up off the air. Mm-hmm. But my last question to you is, what, what you, you gonna before say? Before I ask a question, go ahead. Yeah, I want to correct myself and say the site is rblock.substack.com. It's not org. My bad. Um, okay. And Substack is actually S-T-A-C-K. Okay, and I'm definitely oh. gonna make sure I put that on the. I'll put that on the um on the podcast information, the episode information, so people can be able to find it, click on it. So, well, I'll definitely make sure to get all okay. that. I got all the information written down. I'll make sure that's on there to post as well. It'll also be on the Instagram page and Facebook page. So, thank you for that. Uh-huh. But now, as you wrap up, mm-hmm. I just kind of want to ask you the question I typically ask most of my guests, especially those who are entrepreneurs or just doing big things in their lives. Like when it's all said and done, man. Like what legacy do you want to leave? Like when it's all said and done what what type of impact do you feel like you want to have to be able to to be able to sit down and be like you know what i did what god wanted me to do and this is i feel right with god and like myself uh so i used to think i used to want to like leave a amazing fashion legacy and Mm -hmm. now i'm thinking and this is all new and like fresh like i'm being Mm -hmm. really transparent right now now i'm thinking well not thinking now god's leading me to think that my impact will be in bringing people to Christ. And that's scary because I'm a, I'm a, I'm not nobody special. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like I'm just like everybody else, but I think my last impact that I want to have, at least in this moment, I want to be able to say from the transparency, vulnerability and work and fruit in my life, people were able to see the God in me and it, and it, and it awakened the God in them. Mm-hmm. I love being able to talk to somebody and to tell them what I'm going through. And they're like, yo, cool, I'm about to go pray. Or I'm, you know what I'm saying? Like just, to, just to ignite that feeling of, I want to get what you have, or I want to get God's peace too. And it's like, that's the type of legacy I want to have. If I could be broke, I could be on the street, but if I'm able to do that, nah, I think I would have I, I lived a good life. That's beautiful. I mean, that's dope. Like, you know, and I just want to say again, bro, thank you so much for just your time and being able to speak your truth on the airwaves with us. I mean, just being able to share that because I find, I find the irony and it's not even irony, but just the whole thing coming full circle, right? We just started this conversation talking about, you know, you growing up and being resistant to your African identity 
and you know all the mm-hmm. things that come with it and at some point you find it it comes to you 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 come back and you embrace it and it becomes part of who you are and the same thing kind of shows itself in a more mature way when you start to talk about how you were you know how you kind of grew back into your spirituality mm-hmm. right you know you talked about yeah. your, your camp with the braids and everything but then how he would look at you but then all <laughs> of a sudden you know now you you did your evolution that you also went mm-hmm. through spiritually to be able to lead you to all these themes when you started one way and then you found yourself in another. That progression, man, is is one thing that I'm so proud of. And I'm proud of you to be able to share that, you know, with us because no matter how far advanced we think we are in life, you know, we're all on different chapters in our life. We can be, you yeah. know, we, we can all be, you know, in the same page technically, but we're all in different chapters. And I think we have to give everyone their flowers and recognize where everyone is at and, and be inspired by everyone's story. And yours is a beautiful one, man. And I'm pr- like I said, I just can't state enough how proud of you I am to be able to share that. And, and I wish you nothing but love and success and blessings and that you fulfill everything that you put your hands on because it has, you know, the, the, the support Amen. and the blessing of God behind it. You know what I mean? So I thank you for your time. And um, I know that we'll, we'll, we'll definitely chop it up again, as I mentioned. But is there any way that people can follow you on Instagram? Or, or, or you know, how do you want people to hit you up if they want to get to just know you more, get in touch with you, bro? Sure. Um, well, first of all, thank you for the converse, man. That, that means a lot coming from you. You know, I have a lot, I mean, like a tremendous amount of respect for you and what you do and just your the way that you carry yourself and handle your family and like the and just the educated intelligent person that you are i genuinely admire your work and who you are so i appreciate those kind of words man thank you much love bro um you can find on instagram sincerely tayo s-i-n-c-r-e-l-y tayo um t-a-y-o um you can also follow me on i don't really tweet like that but if you want to catch me on twitter Timmy Tayo, A-T-E-M-I-T-A-Y-O-A underscore. Um, regular people with the spiritual brand, regular underscore PPL. And we didn't, oh, damn, we didn't talk about Timmy Richard, my, 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 my other child. But <laughs> if you want to follow a brand that's able to connect you with the black brands that you want to shop from and a very unique shopping experience and be able to be put on game for different brands that, you may know some that you may not. Uh, you can follow Sincerely Richard at Sincerely Richard, R-I-T-C-H-U-R-D. Sincerely Richard is basically like a, it's like a directory on how to get you fly, to connect you to black brands. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> that other, you know, that can that can kind of put you on game. So that's dope. And again, bro, mm-hmm. Tayo, man, it is a pleasure having you on. I thank you for your time. I, I definitely didn't think it was going to, you know, I knew it was going to be a good one, but this was a great one, man. And, and I just thank you again for joining the show, man. <laughs> I appreciate it, man. Yeah, man. So peace and love to you, man. And uh, I wish you all the best and I wish you good health, bro. And whatever I can do to support, you already know I got you, bro. Much love, bro. You as well, man. Right. Thank you for your time and thank you for the opportunity. No doubt. No doubt, man. Peace. Much love. So that's going to do it for this episode of My Black is Transnational. I'd like to thank Mr. Temi Tayo Adeoshifogun for joining me and having such a great, inspiring conversation. I hope you all enjoyed it and were inspired as much as I am. Um, special shout out to you, bro, uh, and more power and more blessings to you and any of the ventures that you have coming forward. We are here to support you at My Black is Transnational. And to support us at My Black is Transnational, feel free to subscribe to this podcast on any of your favorite podcast listening apps. You can also find us on Instagram at Black Transnational Podcast and follow me, the host, on Instagram at Black Transnational underscore. Check out our website at www.blacktransnational.wixsite.com slash podcast. And please feel free to leave any feedback, rate and review the podcast, rate it five stars if you like what you hear. We really appreciate it. So I'll be signing off. Until next time, my name is Dr. Kalei G. Bay Lamberts. My Black is Transnational. And I hope by the end of this, yours will be too. Peace.